Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I am alone for the podcast today. It's been a long time since I've been alone, I know, but here we are yet again. I will be alone for episode 39. Here's what we have on the menu for you guys today. We'll talk about Rubnet Odor. We'll talk about how the Blue Jays swiped two out of four from the Yankees this past weekend. We'll talk about how the Jays seem to have found a recipe for success with Wilmer Font. We will talk about the MLB's best name or possible best name and his success lately. And we'll wrap things up with a prospect. Watch all this in episode 39 of 211's Baseball Talk. And this is normally the part where I would ask my dad how he's doing. But uh, he is not here for this episode. He was unable to join us here in episode 39. It will be just me. And today is a great day for baseball. It's beautiful in Canada, at least. And uh, we hope you are enjoying your day wherever you are listening. So let's get right into things. Usually we like to go in chronological order, but first I think we should cover the odor that is wreaking havoc on the Blue Jays and Rubnet Odor. You like that? I, that was a ridiculous case of what I believe is alliteration. And if we have any teachers listening, you could correct my poetry terms because I'm sure they're incorrect. I was never great at poetry and I'm not great at poetry. Um, but odor, order, odor, I mean, that was pretty good. Um, Rubnet Odor is a tired, crazy, awful baseball player. In a 19-4 win for the Blue Jays on Monday night, Rugnet Odor hit a home run to make it 17-3 at the time. It happened Monday night, so most people are aware of what this guy did. But for those who don't, Odor took his sweet time rounding the bases, with buttons way down, chain flailing, and everything. Odor looked like an absolute buffoon, but he didn't care. This guy looked ridiculous running the bases at Rogers Center, blowing bubbles for the sugar-crazed baby raccoons hiding in that disgrace on his chin that he calls a beard. And you've, you've seen him from punches uh, to Bautista in 2016 because Bautista bat flipped in one of the biggest moments of his career in the Jays' season. He got frustrated about that, and so did most of the soured, far too sensitive Texas Rangers organization who have won nothing in their 58 years of history. This organization, after Bautista's bat flip, got very, very mad. Uh, and they started throwing at him. They started throwing at a bunch of other Blue Jays players. There was another benches clearing brawl after the home run, and it was just uh, it was just a mess in that series. And then a year after, and ever since, it's been a mess. Now the strange thing is with Rugnet Odor and what he did, and the, going back quickly to the Texas Rangers, going back to the Washington Senators, dating back to the Washington Senators, they have not won anything. Guess what, Texas? This year is no different. Your franchise alone highlight was Nolan Ryan, and Adrian Beltre was pretty good too. But the bat flip angered the Rangers and mostly Odor. Um, so Bautista can't flip the bat when it really matters, but Odor can act like a total idiot when his team is down by, I believe at the time, it was 15 runs and he made it 14 runs at 17-3 ball game. Makes sense, right? No, it doesn't. Odor is hated in Toronto. He's hated in Ontario and all over Canada, everywhere in this great big nation of ours. What a terrible baseball player. I mean, he is batting... 204 on the season, going two for 12 in this series, and he thinks he's Mr. Celebrity, showering in the booze and strutting like a mating greed. An idiot who is in no way the man we want the game to have more of. And if you look at what Odor was doing, as I was starting to, to, touch, to touch on, pardon me, earlier, he is doing this to a team that has very few, if any, faces that were actually on that 2015 team when Jose Bautista flipped the bat. I think Justin Smoke is the only one that was there back then that is still here now. So I think that what Odor did is ridiculous, and he should be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he should be because obviously it was his decision, his move. He flipped the bat, or he didn't flip the bat, but he ran the bases in the slowest way possible and had the chain going, the buttons way down, blowing bubbles as he ran out of the bases and strut at the end. Like that's that was his move. 
but he shouldn't have done that. He should have realized, you know, maybe this is a completely different team, just the same organization. I don't know who he's bat flipping to. Even the front office, most of the front office wasn't there when the bat flip happened. So Odor's just acting like a crazed, angry little idiot. And he's got he's to gotta stop because he's going to be the most hated player in baseball if he keeps this up in the next couple of years. And the guy's batting 204. What gives you the right to do that when you're batting 204? I was watching Tippett Sid this week, and, and Sid Sixero always has the best rants that I've ever seen. And he had another one this week, and he showed the average for Rugnet Odor right now, and that's a 204, and uh, Odor 204. It rhymes, so I, I don't know if that's what Odor was shooting for, but it's certainly working. Um, but he's batting 204. He's on pace to hit 204, and he's just been a terrible baseball player this season. He's one of the reasons the Rangers have been struggling because at the beginning of the year, there was some hope for them. And as we got towards the trade deadline, we were wondering, are the Rangers going to be buyers? Are the Rangers going to be sellers? And eventually we saw that they kind of just did nothing. And they were hoping that that team could bring them to, to the playoffs, but it's not going to. And Odor is one of the reasons for that, because if he's having a better year, it's quite possible that uh, that the Rangers are also having a better year and maybe they actually make it to the playoffs. But right now, they're not going to make it to the playoffs. And Odor, who was supposed to be their star player, one of their better prospects coming up from their system a couple of years ago, has really struggled this year. And he has no right to go rounding the bases at Rogers Center, taking his sweet time when the guy's batting 204, when he's having a terrible season, when his team is losing 17-3. to He has no right to be rounding the bases like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Odor acted like a buffoon, but I guess what else is new, right? Because Odor has always been acting like this towards the Blue Jays. He simply hates the organization. And you can't you can't really understand that if you're a fan because Bautista was on that team and Carnacion was on that team and those two guys were the core guys. Donaldson was on that team. Those three were the core for that team and they're all gone. Donaldson's in Atlanta, and Carnacion is in New York playing for the Yankees, and Bautista is a free agent right now, I believe, unless someone signed him to a minor league deal. But uh, all these guys are no longer a member of the Blue Jays, no longer members of the Blue Jays, and Odor is still doing this stuff. Like, get over yourself, man. It happened It happened four years ago, almost, that the, the Bautista flipped the bat. So Odor has to calm down. He's got he's to realize that this team has literally no one from that team besides Justin Smoke. And his team basically doesn't have anyone either. Really just him that's still holding on to the memory of the bat flip and that's still upset about it. I mean, the guy who threw the pitch, Sam Dyson, is playing for the Minnesota Twins right now. So what's he going to do? Like, Odor needs to get over himself. He needs to forget about that and move on because you got bigger problems, buddy. You're batting 204 and your team sucks. Moving on to the series that we saw on the weekend. and This is now going to be in somewhat chronological order. Um, the Blue Jays hosted the Yankees and it was Boba Shett's home debut. And if in case you missed it in his first game at home as a Blue Jay, he went deep, crowd went wild. And he absolutely destroyed that ball too. Uh, crushed it there on that pitch and Bo raked in that series and in that entire series. And it's a shocker. I know the Jays were actually able to steal two out of four from the first place Yankees. And while Sunday's contest was a one, nothing final for New York, the Jays got shut out. The offense was still pretty great in the first three games of that set. So they were really good against the Yankees pitching, who has not been great as we touched on in last week's episode. They showed why, allowing the Blue Jays to score six in game one, eight in game two. 
uh, and the game three and four of that series. And they, they didn't score any in game four, but in game three, they did score quite a few as well. So just a bad series for the Yankees pitching staff. Great for the Blue Jays offense. They showed what they're made of. They showed that they can compete against the uh, better slugging teams, such as the Yankees. We saw it there, and uh, great job by the Blue Jays offense. Besides that one game, Game 4, and the Jays face Masahiro Tanaka, who was firing on all cylinders in that game. He has been struggling all season long, but he seemed to have really found his stuff there and was able to shut down the Blue Jays. But in that series, we saw the offense was good. We saw uh, some good pitching as well. It was, a, it was a very good series for the Blue Jays, and I don't see any reason that you can't be impressed with what they did there. Obviously, you would have liked to get the series win, especially with the fact that uh, Game 4 ended one nothing, So there was certainly a possibility for the Blue Jays to win that series, but they did not. And um, and a split is certainly something you'll take against a team that is as good as the Yankees, especially with where the Jays were. I believe the last time even they faced the Yankees, they, I believe, got swept, not too sure. The offense wasn't great. I mean, if you can split a series against the first-place Yankees, who are leading the MLB in wins, if I'm correct, you you got to be happy with that, and if you're a Blue Jays fan, you cannot be upset with how that series went, even though they did lose one nothing in Game 4 on Sunday. So I think it was a great series for them. The offense showed what they're made of, and they continued that on Monday with a 19-4 routing of the, uh, of the Texas Rangers, three runs the next day, and then just, I believe, three as well yesterday on the Wednesday. They had the off day today, but the offense has been great, and hopefully they continue in their upcoming series against the Mariners. Um, moving on now to the Blue Jays finding a reliever that is, that has seemed to have success with them. And I'm talking about Wilmer Font, of course. And when he was first acquired, a lot of fans, including myself, thought, oh gosh, here we go. Just another awful pickup. Font, who came over with an ERA of 520, was struggling this year. Already having played for two teams, he started the year as a Ray and then moved on to the Mets. Since coming over to the Blue Jays, Font has allowed four earned runs, all of which came in his first three appearances. Uh, what the Blue Jays have tried to do lately with Font, though, is use him as an opener for arms like Thomas Pannone and Jacob Wagaspak, and it's really worked. While guys behind him have usually had success in their outings as well, Font has been phenomenal. And I'm not usually a big fan of the opener strategy. As you know by past episodes, I'm, I'm quite critical of it. But Font has really opened eyes in that role. Uh, and get it? Opened eyes? Yeah, opener. Opener is opening eyes. You bet you like that. I'm always here to fill in with dad jokes when my dad isn't here. And he's really opened eyes in that role. He's been great. Um, it seems to be the role that he is excelling in. So why not leave him there? You've got young arms like Thomas Pannone, Jacob Wagaspak, and Sean Reed Foley, who are still trying to show that they have what it takes to face guys on the big stage. And with Fawn usually able to give you two innings, it allows the young starters to come in at the bottom of their order or with the bottom of the order for the opposing team due up, which calms them down quite a bit. And with Fawn showing that he can be a quality arm, I don't see why the Jays can't keep him around for a while because if he can continue this, maybe be an opener, maybe be a middle reliever uh, in the end, I don't see why they can't keep him around for a while. Even when this team is competing, I don't see why he can't be a member of it because he's been great for us this year and uh, he's really been a quality arm and he allows these young starters, these young pitchers, as I mentioned, to calm down quite a bit and to realize, you know what, I can do this. I'm facing the bottom of the order. Should be pretty easy for me. And while with teams like the Yankees that don't really have a weak spot in their lineup, it's tough, but you're st you still go in with confidence knowing that you're going to face the 7-8-9 hitters, the 8-9-1s or 9-1-2s of their order, right? So you know as a starting pitcher that you have the bottom of the order and, you know, that gives you so much more confidence uh, as, as a young arm and as an arm in general, as a pitcher, knowing that you have what is supposed to be an easy task coming up. 
you can you can throw your pitches, and if you have a rough first inning, if you're not locating, you are facing the bottom of the order, which means that they can't really hurt you as much as the top or middle of it could. And it's great that Font can go two innings because you know what? We see with openers uh, all the time when that strategy is employed, we see them go one inning, and then the starter will come in, and he'll have to face four, five, and six in the order usually. But Font has been able to go two innings, and he has been huge for the uh, Blue Jays and their young arms because he goes two, and then the pitchers come in. And even when they have bullpen days, they like to start Font as the opener and have guys like Brock Stewart, who was just sent down to the minor leagues, come in in relief and pitch six quality innings. So Wilmer Font has looked really comfortable in that opener role, and the Blue Jays have had success pitching-wise with him there. So it's been it's been very good to see. Uh, for the Blue Jays and for a guy like Font who had such a great year last year came into this year struggled quite a bit with Tampa Bay and I believe they let him go and the Mets picked him up Uh, so he became a Met for a while struggled there as well didn't really do much and the Blue Jays traded for him I believe they sent cash the other way and right now I mean we haven't seen what that cash has been used for in New York certainly not for Marcus Stroman yet Um, but We've seen that Fawn has been good for the Blue Jays, and in his first outing, he allowed two runs to the Detroit Tigers, and that wasn't as an opener, so possibly he wasn't comfortable in that role. I believe it was middle relief, and maybe he wasn't quite comfortable there, so he allowed the two runs to Detroit, then he faced Cleveland and allowed one run, and in Tampa Bay, in his first outing as an opener, he allowed the one over two innings. So he has been really, really good for the Blue Jays as an opener, as I mentioned, only allowing the four earned runs, and those were in his first three outings. Since coming over to the Blue Jays, I believe I'm going to be able to find the stats here, hopefully. But uh, since coming over to the Blue Jays, Font has lowered his ERA from 520 to 440. So his ERA has gone down 80 points in his short time with the Blue Jays. I believe he was picked up July 20th, and uh, his ERA has already been lowered by 80 points. He's been great for the Blue Jays. Such a pleasant surprise. You know, where this year has been filled with pleasant surprises, guys that we didn't think were going to make too big of an impact that are coming up and really, really uh, making their presence felt at the big league level. And they've been they've been great. And Wilmer Fawn is certainly one of those guys who's come up and has been really good. And Daniel Hudson, we saw it earlier on in the year. We knew he had a lively arm, but he had just been released uh, from spring training. So we we weren't too sure what we'd get out of him. And he was great and a good trade piece for us. And with these guys that the, the front office has been able to pick up over the past couple of years, guys like Sun Wan Oh, who allowed us to get Forrest Wall, guys like Tyler Clippard, guys like John Axford, who have come in and, and been surprises for us because we didn't know what to expect from them. These are older arms that uh, we weren't sure what we're going to get out of them. They've been great usually, and Wilmer Font is no exception. I believe Font is a little bit younger than guys like Daniel Hudson, Sun Wan Oh, and John Axford, but uh, he has been a quality arm nonetheless. And if we do want to use him as trade bait next year, I'm sure that the, the, the Jays will find a taker for Wilmer Font in the 2020 season. If he keeps this up, I don't know a team that wouldn't want him on their squad. He can pitch, uh, he could probably. By that time, I think the Blue Jays are going to look to transition him to a middle reliever because Charlie Montoyo has said himself that he is not big on the opener strategy. If they need it, then that's what they'll use. But he's not really too big on the opener strategy, so hopefully he can figure things out in middle or late relief because he does have a good arm as well. But uh, right now, I don't know why any other team in the MLB wouldn't want Font, and I'm not sure what his contract situation is like. But if the Jays do have him under contract for next year... I don't see why he can't be a trade piece, but if they don't want to use him as a trade piece, I don't see why he can't be a, a member of the of a competing team down the road in Toronto. Now, moving on to the battle for rookies of the year, and those, those battle that battle is continuing in the American League and the National League. And while I don't know if he'll qualify for the rookie of the year, not 
Not looking great right now. Only, uh, I believe, 50 or so play appearances for this guy. But he is per certainly putting on a show right now. Aristides Aquino is the player that I'm talking about. And he's been an absolute stud for the Cincinnati Reds. Aquino has been smashing home runs and rookie records since being called up. And it seems that he is here to stay. Aquino uh, went unranked this season in the top 100 prospects list. And even the Reds' top 30. He wasn't in the top 30 prospects. But uh, they're always surprise players, as we just mentioned with the Blue Jays. And right now, it's looking like Aquino can be a uh, surprise top prospect. Not to mention the fact that he might just have the best name in baseball, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Aristides Aquino is is smashing records. He is the fastest player ever to nine home runs, I believe, is what I saw. It was the most recent one. He had three home runs in a game the other day, if I'm not mistaken. He's been phenomenal for the Reds. And such a good surprise, like... Aristides Aquino was not on the top 100 prospects this year. He was not on the Reds' top 30 prospects this year, according to MLB Pipeline. But he comes out of nowhere and just starts swinging a big bat. And it certainly helped the Reds, especially after they traded Yasiel Puig, who was probably their best power hitter out in right field. He was great for them. And now Aquino comes in, steps up, maybe even a little bit better than Puig so far. And obviously, he's not going to be able to keep this up. He's not going to hit nine home runs in, what, his first seven, eight, ten games, right? So he's not going to be able to keep this up, but he's certainly going to be a big bat and a bat to be afraid of if you're a starting pitcher or if you're a pitcher in general in that Reds lineup down the road because he has been great so far since coming up to the big leagues. And uh, getting into the name now, Aristides Aquino. How can you go wrong with a name like that? Like Aristides Aquino might have the best name in the MLB, and the only name that I can see competing with that is Phillies shortstop or minor league shortstop Arquimedes Gamboa. So Arquimedes Gamboa against Aristides Aquino. Those are two phenomenal, 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 great names for uh, for baseball players. Aquino and Gamboa are the two last names. Uh, last names Aristides and Arquimedes. The two first names. I mean, how can you go wrong with names like those? Unfortunately, Gamboa is struggling right now in double-A uh, for the Phillies. But you know what? Uh, Aristides Aquino has been the best best bat for the Cincinnati Reds since he came up to the big leagues. So Aristides Aquino or Archimedes Gamboa, you tell us who has the better name. You can vote on our Instagram story. It's 211's baseball. It's 211's BT, standing for Baseball Talk. The username is the number two, the number one, the number one, SBT. 211's Baseball Talk, 211's BT, on Instagram. So the poll will be up for 24 hours starting at 4.01 p.m. on August 15th, which is today or the, at the time that we are recording this. So the poll is going to be up there at 4.01, and it will stay till 4.01 on August 16th. Make sure you go over there and vote. Who's got the better name, Aristides Aquino or Archimedes Gamboa? It will be interesting to see what you guys have to say, and we will announce the results of the poll uh, coming up in next week's episode, which is a big episode for us, and we'll explain that to you when we get there next week. But uh, we will have the results for you next week in episode 40, and we will see what you guys chose, whether Archimedes Gamboa has the best name in baseball or does Aristides Aquino have the best name in baseball. Moving on to some more prospects, Aquino was unranked, and Gamboa has also gone unranked this year. But here are a few guys that have not been unranked and are really doing well in the minor league levels right now. We haven't done this in a while, so we decided, you know what, why not start again now? And in AAA, we've got a couple of good arms right now, and uh, 
Here they are. TJ Zoic is the first guy I wanted to highlight. This season, he's 3-2 and two with a 4-3-90 IRA. He came into the Buffalo Bisons organization, or Buffalo, Buffalo Bisons clubhouse late because of an injury. But ever since he's come along, he's been pretty good. He's 3-2 and two with a 4-3-90 IRA. Those numbers, once again, are a little inflated because he has not pitched as many innings as other guys have. But he threw six scoreless innings yesterday. And TJ Zoic, what I noticed looking at his numbers is he usually goes deep into ball games. I mean, how many times can you say you've seen a, a minor league arm in the Blue Jays system, especially with the way that they manage the uh, pitch count in, in that in the farm system, go seven and a third innings, stuff like that, pitch into the eighth inning. That's what TJ Zoic is doing right now. He's going seven. He's going eight innings. He's pitching into the eighth inning, I should say. He's been great for them. And he's providing some length. And don't be shocked if we see TJ Zoic at the big league level uh, this season in September. They'll have to add him to the 40-man roster, but I'm pretty sure there are a few spots that are open for TJ. Um, he's been great in AAA lately, and hopefully he can keep that up, and maybe we'll see him in September in the final season of roster expansion. Another guy that, that I want to take a look at is Anthony Kay, one of the guys we got in the Marcus Stroman trade, and Kay also not on the 40-man roster, and we'd love to see him in the big leagues in September. Uh, but since being traded to the Bisons, Tony Buckets is uh, is 0-1 with a 2.87 ERA, and this season he is 8-7 with a 3.10 ERA, obviously absolutely dominated in AA, only having a 1.49 ERA. Once he got to the Mets AAA team, he struggled a little bit, having an inflated ERA, but ever since he's become a Buffalo Bison, he is uh, he has done really well. He's had a 2.87 ERA, and he, I believe it was five or six scoreless innings the other day that he threw. So Zoic and Kay have been firing lately, and they've been really, really good for the Bisons. Uh, taking a look at AA now, Nate Pearson. I feel like this is going to be a common occurrence where we see Nate Pearson in a prospect watch that we do. But this season, he's 3-4 and four with a 2-3-1 ERA. And in his last 10 starts, he's 0-3, which is a misleading stat. Wins are a misleading stat, if you ask me. Because if you have no offense in a game, but you allow one or two runs and you have a great outing, you get the loss, right? So wins are such a misleading stat. They're not a great stat to look at, especially if you're voting for the Cy Young or going or voting for someone to go into the Hall of Fame. They used to be so big. If you didn't have 20 wins, if you didn't have what, I believe the, the Hall of Fame total is 300 wins uh, on your career, then you wouldn't go into the Hall of Fame. You wouldn't get a Cy Young. But you cannot judge on wins and losses because it really, wins and losses are not a pitching stat. Wins and losses are an offensive stat. And I'm sure that a lot of pitching coaches, a lot of pitchers would agree with me on this. Wins and losses depend on how your offense is doing. And yes, obviously, if you allow nine runs in a third of an inning, you're going to get a loss, and that's your fault. The offense can't usually come back from that. But wins and losses are such an offensive stat, they should not be used to measure pitchers anymore. And while pitchers can have records, I've got no problem with that, don't judge a pitcher's success simply based on wins and losses because Nate Pearson is 0-4 in AA, but he has an ERA of 2-2-9. And his last 10, he, sorry, of 2-4-8, I believe, and that is that is this season in Double A, and in his last ten, he's going through with a two two nine. So he has been really really good in Double A, but it doesn't show in the win loss record because of the fact that his offense just simply has not been there. So that's not fair to judge Nate Pearson simply on his wins and losses. So he has been great in Double A, and I hope that Triple A gets to see him a little bit. And I know there's not much time left in the minor league season. But hopefully Nate Pearson gets to start once or twice in AAA. If not, that's definitely where he's starting next year. And uh, he'll be up in the big leagues at some point in 2020. 
Moving on to single A Dunedin now. Simeon Woods Richardson, the other guy that we got in the Marcus Stroman trade, has been hot lately, going three and four. Another another instance where wins and losses are a misleading stat. Yes, Wood Richard, Woods Richardson does have three wins, but uh, he's also got a 3.09 ERA in his last 10 starts. So he has been great, and the offense just hasn't been there. He's got more losses than wins, obviously. He's also racked up. 55 strikeouts in those last 10 starts. So he has been phenomenal uh, in single A Dunedin. And he had a 4-2-5 ERA coming in to Dunedin and uh, coming back coming back from, I believe, St. Lucie's where the Mets have their advanced A affiliate. He was, he was doing pretty well, but he was struggling a little bit with a 4-2-5 ERA. And he came over to the Blue Jays and he has been good ever since he put on that Dunedin Blue Jays uniform. And in his last 10, he's really lowered that ERA. Uh, he's got a 309 in his last 10 starts. He's been great. Don't be shocked if we see him start um, in AA next year. Maybe maybe make his way up to AAA in Buffalo in 2020. Moving on to low A Lansing, Eric Pardino, the 18-year-old Brazilian, has only made eight starts this season in Lansing due to injury. But in those eight starts, he has been phenomenal. He is 2-1 and one with a 2-1-5 ERA, and he has been great. And he has dealt with injuries, obviously. That's why he doesn't have as many starts as other guys there. But don't be surprised if another guy, if we see Pardino move up and start in double-A next year, skip over Dunedin entirely, maybe we see him move down or move up to Dunedin this season for the final, for the home stretch of their season. But don't be surprised if uh, if we see Pardino skip over uh, High A Dunedin and go straight to Double A next year, and of course Jordan Groshans, another guy in Lansing that has been great, batting three thirty seven this season with five or two two home runs and thirteen RBI, and he's been injured. He's injured right now. He's on the seven day injured list in Lansing. But I mean, how can you go wrong with a batting average? of 337 and moving on to the final level we are going to cover in this prospect watch short season vancouver alec manoa probably the blue jays must follow on twitter now that marcus stroman is gone on twitter and instagram for that matter manoa has been great in vancouver in just four starts um in those four starts he's only allowed two earned runs both coming in his start yesterday and he's been lights out uh, out west my prediction is that if manoa is able to stay healthy he will finish next season in double a new hampshire that is, if he stays healthy, that's a big if, right? You don't want to deal with injuries, especially for a young pitcher. But I think that if he's able to stay off of the injured list, Manoa's going to be finishing next season in New Hampshire. I know it's a bold prediction. He's only in Vancouver, still a ways to go. Maybe with the Canadian season ending so soon, you put him in uh, in Lansing for a couple of starts, maybe in Dunedin if he can get one or two in there. And then I think he can hop quite a few levels next year. I think he is very impressive, a stellar young arm. And I don't mean to put too many expectations on him, but I would not be shocked if he finishes the 2020 season in AA New Hampshire. So this has been an action-packed episode of 211's Baseball Talk. This has been episode 39. I don't think I've stopped talking one bit since we began, but that's what you got to do when you have no co-host with you. So thank you all very much for tuning in to episode 39. Chris will be back next week for a big episode for us. For now, though, it's Beautiful Creatures, if you're listening on Anchor, walking you out.